0: to you and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. He was an investigative journalist at the Chicago Tribune, and he was also a doubter and a hater. Lee Strobel was a convinced atheist, and so was his wife, Leslie. That changed, however, late in the fall of 1979. Leslie had some news for her husband. She was a Christian now. In shock, Strobel set out to do everything he could to prove his wife wrong. He took his skills as a journalist, and he hopped on planes, hit the libraries, and he had tons and tons of meetings and conversations with all sorts of people who were experts in their fields, with doctors and archaeologists and pastors and theologians, and all of that that, was so that he might dismantle the claims about Jesus. That's a true story. He did all of that. He spent years of his life dedicated to showing why these claims and these stories about Jesus were nothing but fabrications, fictions, and too unreasonable for any rational person to believe. Now that story there, it may be a little extreme, but I think it serves well to illustrate this point. In our world... There isn't much love for this carpenter. There isn't much love for Jesus of Nazareth. And what's true about the people in our day and age was just as true for the people who lived at Jesus' time. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, "A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there.' except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Now Jesus and the disciples had just gotten back from Capernaum, and the reception that they had got in that village was pretty incredible. The people were amazed. They were astounded at the things that they had heard and seen Jesus doing. It was a completely different ball game, though, in Nazareth. In Nazareth, Jesus' hometown of all places. Now, it was the Sabbath, and and Jesus did what he so often did on the Sabbath. He went into the synagogue and and started to teach people. And right away, the the people who were there worshiping, they could tell that something special was going on. I mean, it says they were amazed at, at what they heard. They knew something special was going on, but maybe it was too good to be true the people there in the synagogue, they started to call all of Jesus' qu- credentials into question. They were challenging him at every point. He said, really, from this guy? What's so special about him? He doesn't have the training. What does he even know? This guy, Jesus, he's not a teacher. He's a carpenter. And what what special privilege does he have? I mean, here's all of his family here. There's his mother, his brothers, his sisters are here with us. There's nobody special in that group of people. You see that crowd there? What they had heard Jesus doing in the synagogue, it didn't mix very well with what they thought that they knew about Jesus. The Jesus that they knew was just an ordinary individual like all of them. He's a woodworker. He's not a miracle worker. His family members, they're just a bunch of ordinary, everyday people. Those synagogue goers there, they put too much stock in their own ability to reason and think logically. Now some of those people, they knew Jesus' family. They watched him grow up in Nazareth. Some of them probably had things in their homes that Jesus' own hands had made. So as far as they could tell, there was nothing special about Jesus. And really, in their eyes, Jesus was just a phony. He was just a big old imposter. Such a, a scandalous individual that they took offense at him. They just couldn't get past the idea that this Jesus might be the Messiah that God said was coming. They tripped and fell at the idea that Jesus might just be God. They didn't realize it, but they were stumbling right into their deaths. It was a sad story there that day at the synagogue in Nazareth. And it only continued on as Jesus addressed the crowd. He said to him, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town. A prophet, right? Everybody wants to hear what this prophet has to say and and they want to see what he can do. That is, of course, unless they know better. What they know about that person, what they've experienced from that person, if all of that doesn't with what they're seeing on that day, well, they're not going to believe him. They're not going to listen to him. And that is exactly what happened in the synagogue there the people just couldn't get past the idea that Jesus might be more than that individual that they had come to know in Nazareth. It was a scene. The lack of faith in that city was pitiful. It prevented Jesus from doing a bunch of miracles there. Not because Jesus needed a, a lively crowd to give him energy so that he could feed off of them. No, he couldn't do any miracles there because the people didn't want his help. We don't need this carpenter. He's just a pretender. It was such a disturbing place to be. Even Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. There isn't much love for this carpenter. You can expect that. I mean, Jesus met with these people where? In the synagogues. He was teaching people who presumably knew what the Old Testament said about the Messiah. He's teaching people who presumably knew about all of those prophecies, and there Jesus was right in front of them, fulfilling those prophecies, and yet they still rejected him. Now, if those people rejected Jesus, what does that say about all the people who live around us in our day and age? We're thousands of years removed from these stories. No person living has ever looked Jesus in the face. Well, what does that say about the people in our world? I think that we can probably expect the same exact reaction in our day in 2021 that Jesus got there in the synagogue. The sinful mind is still hostile to God. The message of cross is still foolishness to those who are perishing. So you can expect that human reason is going to trump faith. And maybe you've seen it before. Maybe you've heard the arguments that that some deniers and doubters are going to make. So Jesus died, and then he came back to life, and during his life he performed miracles. Well, that doesn't happen. You want me to get behind Jesus, a guy who's intolerant of just about every community that isn't like his community. The Bible that one's been thoroughly debunked by science. The Bible, that's just a book that puts women down. People are going to be real honest with you. They're going to say, "I just can't get behind a guy who is so irrational. I can't follow along with a guy that has all of these crazy, wild, unbelievable stories and teachings attached to him. My knowledge, my experience, it just says Jesus can't be right. I know better than that. There isn't much love for this carpenter. Expect it. But don't back down from it. That's a tough pill to swallow, isn't it? You know, your instinct, wouldn't it tell you that when things start to get a little hot and and maybe it's getting heated, maybe you should just back off? Wouldn't conventional wisdom suggest that, that when it's not going well, maybe you just move on to something else? Maybe it would, possibly. Let me tell you for sure who would say those things, though. Your sinful nature. Your sinful nature is going to do all that it can to lead you to believe that sharing Jesus with with one of these hardened deniers, one of these skeptics, is just a big waste of time. Your sinful nature is going to fill your head with with all of these thoughts, and it's going to try to convince you that maybe someone else should just step in. I, I really can't do this. I'm not qualified. I lack the skills. It's not my job. Well, try telling all of that to Jesus, the man who said, go and make disciples. Try telling all of that to the guy who was rejected in his own hometown and still didn't give up. I don't think Jesus is going to have the time or the patience to listen to all of our excuses. Really, I'm pretty sure he's going to respond to our excuses in the exact same way that he responded to those synagogue goers. He'd be amazed at our lack of faith. Now for people like you and I, people who do at times lack faith. People who at times do seem as if we don't trust that Jesus is there to guide us and help us out. There's an important lesson that I think we can learn from this incident in Nazareth. It's an important lesson on Jesus' love and his commitment. You see, there isn't much love in our world for this carpenter. But there is much love from this carpenter. As the Almighty God, Jesus knew exactly what those people in the synagogue were going to say. Jesus knew that they were going to deny. And yet he still walked through those doors on that Sabbath and taught them. He told them, I am the Messiah. I'm the world's savior. He told them, I came to pay for your sins. And yes, he knew that those people were going to reject him. But this is how committed he is to his cause of of taking souls to be with him in heaven. Even though he knew how they were going to respond, he still gave them the chance to hear the gospel. That's how committed our savior is. He preached the gospel to those doubters in Nazareth. He preached the gospel all throughout the world, and included in his audience there is you and me. Even if we are faithless, Jesus remains faithful. And he demonstrates that faithfulness to us pretty often, doesn't he? Even when we let our fear of rejection silence our mouths, Even when we back off because we're afraid of rejection, our faithful Savior still comes to us, and he's got some pretty awesome things to say, doesn't he? He he whispers these these sweet words into our ears. You've already heard these ones today. I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You're going to hear him pretty soon. Take and eat, take and drink. This is my body, which is given for you, given for your forgiveness. Jesus says to us, you were baptized into my death. Yes, you are certainly going to be there with me at the resurrection. How's that for some good news? That good news that, that Jesus brought to you and me? That forgiveness? Well, he offers that exact same forgiveness to the unbelieving world too. So don't back down. Now, as you go out there and take this good news to the people around you, I want you to take note of of some of these words of encouragement that we have here in our readings today. Because really, the ones that we've got there, they're pretty fantastic. Now, yes, God gives us that warning. He he gives us a heads up. People are going to reject my son. But here's some encouragement as you go out and talk about my son. You read it just a moment ago and in Psalm 27. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We don't have to be afraid of what the world can do to us. We don't have to be afraid of anybody out there. Not with the impenetrable fortress of a God that we have. Or the words that we're going to look at here in just a bit for our 19-minute study. Paul says to Timothy, he says, even if we died with him, we will live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. I mean, that's Jesus saying to us, no matter what they do to you, even if the enemies of the gospel should come and cut you down, Jesus says, you're going to be with me. I've got one more verse that I want to share with you guys. This one isn't included in any of our assigned readings for today but I think it's a really helpful one. I think this verse is really helpful, especially when the enemies of the gospel are trying to shut us down. The writer to the Hebrews says this, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Should you ever find yourself down and out Or feeling a little bit depressed at the world's rejection, remember this. Jesus was rejected too. He can sympathize with you. Jesus knows the hurt and the pain and the anguish that such rejection can bring. He knows what it feels like and He invites you to talk with Him. So take Him up on that offer. Let him know how, how much hurt and sorrow has been brought into your life by, by the world's rejection. Let him know about it, and then find grace and mercy in the promises that he has given to you. Now, Lee Strobel, when he started his journey many, many years ago, he had no idea what was in store for him. But after those hours digging into God's word to see what claims it made, after the many miles traveling across our country to meet with those theologians and pastors, God did something amazing. Through all of that contact with the word, God sparked faith in Lee Strobel's heart. And I think his entire story, it really is an excellent illustration of this theme that we've been working with today. There isn't much love for this carpenter. but You can expect it. You can expect that you'll run into people like Lee Strobel. People who are hardened in their unbelief. People who think that the Bible is just a bunch of silly stories and made-up claims. Expect it. But don't back down from it. You know that you have got a God who loves everybody. You know that you've got a God who died for everybody. And you know what? That God's pretty powerful, too. He can overcome even the strongest opposition. So don't back down. And as you go out there and and take the good news about his son to everybody, know that God is right there, and he won't back down from you. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith at this time with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made one being with the father through him all things were made for us and for our salvation he came down from heaven was incarnate of the holy spirit and the virgin mary and became fully human for our sake he was crucified in the conscious fire he suffered death and was buried on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures he ascended into heaven his kingdom will have the end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the promise. We believe in one holy, Christian, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.